It happens naturally, involuntarily. First you get that toe tapping, then your knees, well they get to bouncing. The shoulders want to come to the party, and the next thing you know, you're taking the boogie shoes out of the closet. That rug, well it's just not going to cut itself. So you might as well loosen up that foot, feel the heat with somebody, and get ready to get crazy like Patrick Swayze. Just dance, baby. Welcome to My Dad, I'm Dad, a podcast for anyone who's ever loved or lost and sought to make sense of those experiences. My name is Doug. It was a month or two back when Maxine really first reacted to music with her whole body for the first time. She bounced lightly and rotated the upper half of her body in a move that brought to mind elementary school calisthenics. But I'm telling you, you could see, she was feeling it. And Amanda and I, we have different tastes in music too, so that little one has been exposed to a cornucopia of genre, and she appears to love it all, most especially when we do. You fast forward a little bit, She's in my arms, taking down a bottle like a free-range college student when she suddenly pulls back from my arms, looks me dead in the eyes, and performs a perfect shoulder shimmy. It was flawless. It was the type of move that Paula Abdul would have rocked with MC Scat Cat, you know what I mean? What's more is, she does it all the time now. The tasty groove on the speaker? There goes Maxine serving fierce appreciation for the finer things in life. A week or so on from that debut performance, she got all swept up in the Blues Brothers soundtrack. She took my hands, and she stomped her way down the hallway with me. It's like her eyes were saying, Well, do you love me now that I can dance? Yeah, I do. I love you forever, kid. But I had no idea how much I could love this moment till you started moving in a grooving. Now swaying with my daughter down the hallway while Jake Elwood and the rest of the Blues Brothers wax nostalgic about Chicago. That is right up there with the top things Dad would have loved to see. I gotta be honest, though. Even if he could have seen it, he probably would have missed it. He'd have been too damn busy dancing himself. Dad was a force to be reckoned with on the dance floor. He didn't move gracefully. He didn't groove flawlessly. He had his own unique style, and if you were near him when he was in the zone, you were bound to get swept up in tsunami tunage. Now, I can't adequately provide a catalog of all of his moves, but if there was one to call the Wally, it looked a little like this. Clear a space and get a towel. You're probably going to sweat. Now, you plant one foot firmly on the ground. Raise one hand just above head height, palm up, and you're going to want to wave that thing around like you're swishing an invisible goblet. What are you doing looking straight ahead? You tilt that head back. Now, scrunch your face up like you're in pain, but make sure the upper lip is showing off all those pearly whites. Think Elvis lip curl, but on both sides of the mouth. And that other leg... You want to bounce that bad boy like a basketball. When you've got the basics down, it's time to up the ante. At the peak swell of a tune, you raise both hands into the air, arch the back, send those eyes wide, and invite the crowd around you to feel the beat. Now smile. 
and use those eyes to tell everyone around you that boogie fever is catching and you suspect the whole damn dance floor is infected. Rinse and repeat. Of course, no Wally door to groove was complete without that instrument that anyone can play. The air guitar. I was 15 when Ozfest came rolling through Michigan, and the festival was going to set up shop at one of the best damn music venues of all time. Pine Knob. Well, most of the acts slated to play weren't Nad's thing, but he loved Black Sabbath and he loved the venue, so the Dordas dabbled in metal for an entire evening. Predictably, Dad spent most of the time people watching and silently assessing this music that didn't really make sense to him. We walked the grounds of the venue when an act was just too much for him to bear, but we posted up on the lawn a few acts before Sabbath to guarantee good seating for the main event. Dad was a lone island of short shorts, a bright sun shirt, and a straw hat in a sea of pierced black t-shirt wearing goth kids. <laughs> Myself included. But something incredible happened when System of a Down took the stage. Dad peeled back the layers of the music and he discovered the guitar riffs they were right up his alley. So up he got, dusted off his finger fender and began strimming in the air. You know, it's not uncommon for teenagers to be embarrassed by their parents. But I couldn't give a shit. He was feeling it, man. And soon, a rival wind whaler appeared on the lawn. There was Dad, dressed like a Buffett fanatic. He wasn't, but he looked like it. Squared off against a hair-braided tank-top clad child of the early thousands metal scene. What ensued calls to mind Johnny battling old Scratch with his fiddle down south. If one got tired and tried to sit down, the other goaded him on. That all you got, son? <laughs> I'll say it ended in a draw. They had to reserve some energy for the Oz, after all. And Sabbath put on a kick-ass show. But Dad was the headliner as far as those sitting closest to us were concerned. Now let's move ahead a decade or so, and the daughters are back at Pine Knob, this time for a Santana concert. Unfortunately, though, Dad was unquestionably exhibiting some of the more awful symptoms of dementia at that time. So Ma, my wife, myself, and our friends the birds were all on high alert. We wanted to have a good time, but we knew we had to keep an eye out with that. Luckily, Dad was in good spirits that day, and he was clad in another bright sun shirt, jeans this time, and a pink baseball cap. He knew how to stand down. But this was the Hallmark movies watching laying down version of Dad. So we didn't know how long he'd want to stay at the show, and we were all ready to take his cue if he decided he'd rather leave. It was odd, but incredible to be there with him like that like your favorite pair of pants fresh out of the wash, just itching to be broken in again. Dad was having a blast. He traded standing for a comfy lawn chair, but potato-tomato. By the time the opener finished up, it was clear that a fire was burning somewhere. And Carlos came out, lit the damn crowd on fire, and fanned that flame under Dad. And sure as shit, those arms went in the air, the upper lip was showing off the pearly whites, and that long-stored air guitar came on out for an encore. And for the length of time that Santana was on stage, 
we witnessed the final performance of The Wally Show. And let me tell you, it was a farewell show for the ages. Come on! Dad was shouting at anyone who wasn't meeting his standard. I wish that I knew then all that I know now. I'd have jammed with Dad a little more that night. The show ended and we made our way to the parking lot. I mean, come on, talk about a night to remember. That is, until we remembered that one among us was prone to forget. We lost Dad. He wanted to hit the bathroom before we left. And then he was just gone. We were all terrified. Petrified. The next 30 minutes felt like a lifetime. We called his phone and frantically asked anyone if they'd seen him, security included. The only thing worse than our own fears was imagining how he must have felt. Did he know he wasn't with us? Was he uncomfortable, concerned, even afraid? All it took was one step in the wrong direction, and the whole world of disastrous possibility flooded my brain. A moment ago, he'd been commanding the crowd, and now he was shuffling along with them somewhere unsure of where he was going. We'd been so concerned about whether he'd want to stay, we never even considered what leaving would look like. Eventually, we found him. And we were all so distraught that the particular details of finding him escaped all of us. But I remember him under the lights of the parking lot. Pink hat, bright as the sun, looking confused about why we were so worried. He was just trying to find the car. It was time to go home. That night was bittersweet. The end of it was so tumultuous that the revelry of Dad getting at it again was clouded. Until now. We didn't know it at the time, but he took a final bow that night. In the lawn of Pine Knob, it awaits a successor. An act is, is only as good as the loudest fan, you know? And Maxine? She appears ready to carry on the mantle. I'm no freewheeling groove master like Dad. I'm all right. But it looks like the Wally may have skipped a generation. And I gotta tell you, I couldn't be happier that it did. You keep that lawn warm, Pine Knob. Maxine is coming for you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of My Dad, I'm Dad. Follow along for more episodes weekly as I reminisce, reflect, and attempt to blend the past into a hopeful future. Thanks to Andy Bird, as always, for the use of the music in this show. This week's Wally wisdom actually comes from my mom, person who knew Dad best. Mom wanted me to remind all of you to make space for fun, especially in the difficult times, the dark times, those life-altering times. You never know. The tiniest spark of hope could be enough to ignite an inferno of play, even if it only burns bright for a very short while. I'll see you next time, folks.